This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bucknutters, welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, Ohio State stays number one in the college football playoff rankings, which were released last night. LSU number two, Clemson number three, Georgia number four, Utah fifth, Oklahoma sixth. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, my question for you, sir, if LSU handles Georgia with relative ease, let's say LSU wins by two touchdowns, not a crazy blow up, but you know they 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 win convincingly. Does Ohio State need style points against Wisconsin to stay number one in your opinion? I don't think so, and here's my reasoning on that. If you look at the teams that Ohio State has already beaten, it's number eight, number ten, number like fifteen, and number twenty-one. There maybe Michigan seventeen, somewhere around that, right? Each of the teams LSU has beaten in terms of slots are one or two or three behind, right? Uh, so I think that alone on resume is a coin flip kind of event for the committee. But what really gets me is, is that I figured the committee would move Ohio State back to first after the Michigan win or maybe even after this week. I didn't think they'd move them back to first after they beat Penn State by a margin that was – you know, not quite that dominant margin we saw all year, right? And the committee saw enough in that Penn State game to say, nope, we're putting them back to one. To me, that was pretty indicative of the committee's choice of saying, we think OSU is the best team. Now that they've jumped a couple hurdles uh, to, in terms of resume, we're putting them right back above LSU. Because after the Penn State game, let's face it, LSU probably still had the better resume. Uh, and now, I think with the Michigan win offsetting it, OSU can claim they have the stronger set of wins, but it's a, it's a coin flip either way, right? But before, I don't think anybody argued LSU had certainly had the better wins on the field. Um, I think the other thing that hurts LSU is the Alabama win that they had, that the committee put a ton of value on, doesn't look as good now with Alabama having two losses and having not beaten anybody with a pulse that they've played. I think the best team they've beaten is Tennessee. So you know, that's, that's worth pointing out. I think the committee has had it in their mind that they think OSU is the best team in the country. And barring LSU winning 59 to nothing over Georgia and OSU winning 27-24, I don't see the committee dropping Ohio State out of that one spot. Now, if you're Ohio State, you certainly want to go out and put up a 35-10 to 10 win or something that's nice and strong and dominant, particularly defensively, because I think the committee's reasoning is they're not very high on LSU's defense. And can you blame them? Everybody's like, ooh, yay, they had Texas A&M to seven points. Well, the truth is they gave up 38 points to Ole Miss, 38 points to Vanderbilt, 
38 points to Texas. All those teams are seven wins or less. And then they gave up the bigger number to Alabama. So I'm not so sure this LSU defense is really anything special. And I think the committee is very suspicious of their defense as well. Really, we go back to season. What do we describe this LSU team as? They and Alabama are clones, and they're both this year's version of last year's Ohio State team, where there's a really nice passing game, some really good receivers, a running game that's not as strong as normal, and a defense that's not up to the normal standards. I think LSU's resume is going to be enough to keep them in second if they win, but I very much doubt that they're going to pass OSU if the Buckeyes end up winning the Big Ten. I think the committee's got it in their head that OSU's the best team. Yeah, but Dave Aranda is LSU's defensive coordinator, and he, he would never get up like 59 points in a postseason game or anything like that. He's never done that, not once. In fact, I think Dave Aranda losing a game 59 nothing is unprecedented in the uh, modern football era. We'd have to check our records from the, the uh, 2014 season to make sure it's correct. But, uh, yeah, Dave Aranda would never have a bad defense and get, still get paid $2 million a year. Never. You're not on the big stage. This wouldn't happen. Oh, wait a minute. No, you did mention the 2014 season. As I now look back, it did. Uh, he happened to be the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin when they got beat 59 to nothing by Ohio State. Who knew? Um, speaking of Tom Fullery here and Schadenfreude or whatever you want to call it, how cool is it that Alabama is out? I mean, it's just so cool that, like, there's not even a chance that they're in. They're just out. Saban's salty about it. Uh, Crimson Tide Nation is salty about it. We're finally going to have a college football playoff without Alabama. And, I, you know, I, I just don't think we can uh, overstate it. That is just really freaking cool. Excited. I, w- I was worried the committee was going to be like, well, Alabama has the two best losses in the country this year. So with a total margin of defeat of eight points, uh, we're moving them up to third. I mean, let's face it, Alabama has got more BS benefit of the doubt than any team in the history of the BCS. Their championship two years ago is directly the result of the committee's gerrymandering to keep Ohio State out and put Alabama in. Till the day I die, I'll be thoroughly convinced that the committee said, 11-1 Alabama hasn't beaten anybody, but I don't trust JT Barrett in a playoff game against Clemson to do a good job. And that's what happened. And if you watch that Cotton Bowl, you can understand why they didn't trust the OSU offense. But OSU definitely had the better resume that year. OSU won the Big Ten. OSU played tougher games. And, again, OSU was screwed by the fact that the Big Ten plays a nine-game conference schedule instead of an eight. So I have zero sympathy for Alabama. Wah! Go home and watch the playoffs like the rest of us. The sooner that their Crimson Tide Death Star dynasty starts to fade back to nine wins a year, the happier I'll be. It is interesting when you think about it. Nick Saban at Michigan State was very good. I mean, you know, unfortunately ruined Ohio State's 98 season along with uh, one of his uh, assistant coaches, Mark D'Antonio. Um, so Saban was good at Michigan State, but it wasn't like there was any signs he was going to be the best football coach, you know, college football coach ever. So, yeah, maybe the dynasty is now starting to um, fall apart. I mean, it was going to at some point. It was going to end at some point. Maybe now it's finally ending when you look at Alabama getting crushed in the national championship game last year they didn't look like the same Alabama team all year defense has always been their calling card and they just you know we're getting gashed all year and like I said it's just cool to know that they are out and no chance of getting in um speaking of cool things uh Ryan Day Big Ten coach of the year hell has frozen over backs Ryan Day Big Ten coach of the year now he did split the award with PJ Fleck the media gave it to Ryan Day the coaches gave it to PJ Fleck 
The 40-year drought is over. Earl Bruce, in his first year at Ohio State, 1979, won the award. Jim Tressel never won it. Urban Meyer never won it. But Ryan Day wins at least a share of Big Ten Coach of the Year. When you found out about this, how surprised were you? The most shocked I've been in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Parents has nine wins this year. What do you mean he didn't win it? I thought it was written into the criteria for the awarding of the year. Anytime Iowa wins eight or more games, Kirk Ferentz automatically wins it, and he gets a contract extension. I'm really confused. Did we change the rules here? Does gravity not pull things down now? Is water no longer wet? I don't understand this. And furthermore, I thought it was specifically stated that the Big Ten Coach of the Year did not include Ohio State coaches as candidates. I, I just... I don't understand how we can possibly make him the coach of the year. This follows none of the previous rules. I, I am shocked for one. Shocked for one. But in all reality, he's clearly the coach of the year. Like, P.J. Fleck had an amazing year, and you got to give him a lot of credit for exceeding expectations. But Ryan Day just took over from a legend with a program that's operating a warp speed and actually moved it up to an extra level of warp. So Ryan Day should be the national coach of the year as well. How many guys are 15-0 and 0 in their coaching career right now and have won every game by double digits this season in probably the best conference in America? So, yes, of course he deserves it. But the fact he actually won it, stunning. It would be like Adam Sandler winning an Oscar this year. <laughs> How did he not win one for Happy Gilmore it's just, and Billy Madison? Well, it will always be a mystery to me. Um, when you look at this Ohio State-Wisconsin rematch this Saturday, I mean – it's going to be on the fast track. I feel like it's going to take a major fluke, and I mean, like, throughout the game, like multiple fluke plays for Wisconsin to win this game. Am I missing something, or do you have any concerns when you look at this game? You really hope the team's focus is where it needs to be to ensure that they come out with the same level of effort that they did against Wisconsin the first game. Based on talent, look, Wisconsin's a darn good football team, but Ohio State is that damn good. You know, we said that before the Penn State game. We're going to find out exactly if this team is as good as we think they are. And I remember the first time they played Wisconsin, and we were we were doing this exact show. And I remember saying, look, if OSU goes out and beats Wisconsin by four touchdowns, then they really are that damn good. Well, spoiler alert, they really are that damn good. If this Ohio State defense is one of the top scoring units in the country, it may still be number one. Uh, you've got the offense, which is absolutely loaded. And let's face it, Wisconsin is – a one-trick pony on offense. Jonathan Taylor will run the ball or he won't. And the only team that's really been able to stop him all year is Ohio State. Look, Wisconsin had their fluke game against Illinois where they had some random fumbles at crazy times, and Illinois somehow miraculously managed to win that football game. Wisconsin's a darn good football team. They're, 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 they they beat, beat the butts off Michigan. They won the Big Ten West with aplomb. You know, they beat Iowa. They beat Minnesota. They're a good football team. But Ohio State's way better. I mean, there's just not, you know, you're, you're comparing a re, like, like a really good Division three team in high school football to a really good D1 team. Like, there's a different step between OSU and Wisconsin. So, if Ohio State comes out ready to play in this football game, I don't see how Wisconsin beats them. Like you said, it's not a fluke that you're going to need. You're going to need about five or six flukes, crazy mistakes, weird stuff that hasn't happened all year. Ohio State's executing like it's the Death Star right now. You know, maybe they're the new Death Star team since Alabama's given up the mantle. 
It sure feels like it right now. If OSU is there mentally, OSU wins this game by three or four touchdowns. Justin Fields' left knee, we know he's got the sprained MCL, um, went into the Michigan game with it and then re-injured it. Um, you know, in practice, as he revealed yesterday when he was talking to the media, you know, throughout the week before the Michigan game, he was wearing the bulky knee brace for two days of practice. They practiced Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The rest is just film study and walkthroughs uh, on the on the other days, um, or they, you know, and they have a day off as well. They get Mondays off. But anyway, he was wearing the bulky knee brace on Tuesday and Wednesday, the week of the game. Then he had. Uh, went to the smaller knee brace on Thursday in practice, and then that's the one that he started the Michigan game with, um, the real small knee brace that you couldn't even bear, you know, really tell that he even had it on. Then when he got hurt, and thank God that it wasn't serious, it looked like, oh, my gosh, he tears ACL, is it, you know, is this 2.0? Uh, he went to the bulky knee brace. He talked about that. He said, yeah, it does limit his running. He said it, does not, it doesn't feel like it affects his passing at all, but he said it does affect his running. Um, not just this game necessarily, Bax, but just long-term, as you look at this whole situation, just – you know, are, are you concerned about this situation with Justin Fields' knee? No big deal. Just how do you look at it? Well, MCL sprains can take a little while to heal up and get back to full capacity. Um, I think with Fields, look, he says it affects his running. You saw that first play back in. Did he look like he had any issues moving around? Uh, I think Ohio State will be very disinclined to try to have him hold on to the football a lot against Wisconsin. He'll certainly run it less. I think the game plan is going to be to get it into Dobbins' hands in a variety of ways and see if Wisconsin can stop him first because, you know, you don't want to really put much of a risk with Justin Fields because when he was laying on the field, all of us saw the national championship just lit on fire, right? Like, you know, beating Michigan with some chug minutes is always fun, but I expect the chug minutes to be at the end of the game while Fields is laughing on the sideline, you know, and Chug against Wisconsin evens things up a little bit because he's not going to come in and be Cardell Jones. Let's be real blunt here. Our one concern with this team going back to the summer was depth at quarterback, the fear that somebody behind fields would have to play a significant amount of time at a critical point. Right now, luckily, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I think with fields, OSU's going to be extra cautious with him against Wisconsin. I think knowing that they can succeed at a high level without having to have Justin Fields really hold the football and running plays a lot. But I can tell you Wisconsin's going to key on J.K. Dobbins a lot. So Fields is still going to have to run it a few times. If it really is just an MCL sprain, and judging by the way he came back in and played after the injury, I have to believe he's telling the truth. It's the sort of thing that if you get him through this game relatively unscathed, you get three more weeks to let his knee heal up, and that hopefully makes a difference for any sort of title game that we may be in. By the way, it also puts a lot of emphasis on hoping that you get the one seed because Justin Fields' running ability may not be as critical against a Utah or an Oklahoma versus playing against LSU or, or Clemson or Georgia or whatever it is, right? So, you know, let's face it. Justin Fields' health is the number one concern for the Buckeyes in these last, hopefully, three games towards a championship. If Justin Fields is okay to go, they have the best team in the country. And that's the one fear that we've had all year. Uh, Again, I think Ryan Day is going to be real smart with him in the in the Big Ten championship game. They may protect a little bit extra whenever they drop back the throw. They may try to get it specifically to Dobbins and tell Fields he's not allowed to keep it the first couple times and see how it goes. And Wisconsin's going to anticipate that. So if the Buckeyes can beat them hat on hat, block on block, then that's what you need to have happen. This is your most important player. You've got to keep him healthy. That was a lot of great football discussion. Real quick to end the show, 
I don't say it's a big hoops game because there's really no big college basketball games in December, but it's going to be a fun game tonight. Number six, Ohio State at number seven, North Carolina. The Tar Heels are favored by four points, 9.30 p.m. on ESPN, late night basketball, Buckeyes at Tar Heels. Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy are on the ground in North Carolina. They'll be covering the game for us tonight. I mean, I just could not be more impressed with this basketball team so far back. So this will be a good test for them tonight. And it's, as I said, it's, it's kind of one of the – I look at it as like a no-lose situation, unless they get blown out. If you lose a close game to North Carolina uh, on the road, I mean, the committee is not going to hold that against you when they're you know, trying to figure out your seed in March. If you win this game, it's a nice boon for your, you know, your resume. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some hoops late night tonight. You know, it's an interesting dichotomy between college football and college basketball, right? Like, we're all excited to see this game because it'll be fun. You know, there's no major downside. Like, we're not like, oh, my God, if they lose this, they don't win the Big Ten or something crazy, right? They won't make the NCAA tournament if they lose this game by one point on the road to a top-ten team. College football, we'd be, like, you know, flipping out about playing six versus four, right? uh, You know, going to another conference or whatever. I think it's great. Look, this team has already vastly exceeded expectations these first couple games. And I want to tell you something. If you remember before the season started, people, Ohio State unofficially scrimmaged Louisville, a.k.a. the number one team, and beat them by a dozen points. So beating UNC isn't out of the realm of possibility. Uh, The top teams in the Big Ten from the state of Michigan had a rough night last night uh, getting blown out by Louisville and Duke. But OSU goes and wins this game. We have a real serious team on our hands this year. Even if it's a close loss, you know they're a darn good basketball team. So it's going to be fun. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's weird talking about basketball before football season's over. But there we are. And, you know, I I, I will say this, by the way. Whoever scheduled that Big Ten basketball game on December 7th at the same time as the the Big Ten championship game in football – needs to get reevaluated because that's insane. You couldn't have anticipated that OSU or Penn State may have been in the Big Ten championship. Come on, guys. But in the end, Chris Holtman's the guy for this job, and it pretty clearly appears he's got himself a team this year. I'm excited to see how they do. Great stuff as always from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. I appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column on Bucknuts every Sunday. It is must-read material. It is the bucket. So thanks again to Bax, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.